Welcome to the Food and Faith Podcast, conversations from the soil and around the table with your co-hosts, Anna Wolfenden, Derek Weston, and Sam Chaney. Welcome back, Food and Faith Podcast listeners. This is Derek. I am here without Anna and Sam. They have bailed on me once again, Um, but that's all right. We're going to hold it down without them. Um, I am really excited for our guest today, um, Chelsea Spires. Uh, Chelsea is a friend of a friend, um, and I'm, I'm really excited once I heard about some of the things that were going on uh, at her church. So uh, as soon as I heard about this project that she's working on, I, I invited her to the podcast, and I'm excited that I'm going to get to do some stuff with her church moving forward. So Chelsea, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, by way of bio, Chelsea serves as pastor and executive director of Riverfront Ministries, a new worshiping community that has both Presbyterian and United Methodist roots in Wilmington, Delaware. Riverfront meets outside for worship and engages in mission and justice work throughout the city. Chelsea graduated just a few days ago with her Master's of Divinity from Wesley Theological Seminary. Congratulations. Um, and has a passion for food and community and how those two intersect in a form of worship. Chelsea loves to hike, hang out in her hammock, host people for dinner and live in the city. Uh, she would never expected to end up back in Delaware, but work work happening in Wilmington brought her back. So, um, and I've been to Wilmington. It's a it's a really nice city. It's not too far from here. So I've been there a few times. Um, so that is Chelsea, and we're so glad that you're here. Um, so Chelsea, we we start all of our um, all of our interviews by asking our guests, "What is your geography? What are the what is the land that shaped you? Who are the people that shaped you? The music, the culture, however you understand that. What is what is your geography?" Yeah, I love that intro, and I feel like we probably could spend um, the whole show just on that intro, right? There's so many so many facets of it. Um, I will say, so currently living in Wilmington, Delaware, and I grew up not too far from here in Newark. Um, and as far as food, growing up, like food was just something we did, right? It wasn't, um, we didn't think about it a whole lot. Um, my parents didn't really talk about it. Um, I mean, looking back, there's definitely meals that stick out of like, oh, every Christmas we would eat this or, um, taco night was especially special. Like there's things like that, but like, we didn't really talk about our food, um, or the process of food, um, like the importance of food. It just was a, yep, we have to do this. We have to consume food to survive. Um, it wasn't really until I moved to Detroit right after college, um, was doing a two year volunteer program, uh, that's United Methodist based and lived in Detroit for two years. And it was really there that, um, food began to shape me, um, kind of more intentionally. And we had a community garden right outside of our Um, like looking out over our house and that spot just became a gathering point for our neighbors and for our friends. There was a nice, like large feel large. I'm putting in parentheses. So y'all can't see that Um, (laughs) because large, like in the city, right? Like you're thinking about like city plots of land. Um, That spot just became one both in the garden, even in our like failed gardening attempts um, and in the food that was shared around that campfire. 
became a spot um, where food became kind of more intentional, where like meals began. Um, I just started to see meals shaping community and that was happening at home, but that was also happening at work as I was working at a community center with folks experiencing homelessness. And a big part of um, the NOAA project in Detroit is lunch, right? Most of our clients come for lunch first and then they slowly start to integrate into the family of NOAA. Um, It then becomes more than just a brown bag meal, but casework services and worship and um, medical assistance and the list is long. And so really from the NOAA project in Detroit to then some time in DC and now in Wilmington, I just continue to be amazed at like the power of food and the power of food and bringing people together. Um, That concept will not be anything new to y'all listening to this (laughs) podcast, right? That's why, that's probably why you're here. Um, But that, that just really began to shape me and has shaped the way that I show up um, to work each day and the ways that I show up in friend in friendships and other relationships. Um, so a bit, a bit of where I come from, a bit of where I am now. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the ways that you saw community being built through food, particularly in Detroit. Like, I think one of the things that, um, has been on my radar uh, a lot in the last few years has been that Detroit is sort of, um, at the front end of a lot of community gardening projects, a lot of urban agriculture, um, and that that has in some ways become a, a big part of the revitalization story of Detroit. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested in in how how in that space um, that you know that has been a a um, sort of historically thought of as, as a, a depressed, underserved kind of community, uh, the ways that you saw community being built around those those gardens and around urban agriculture. Yeah, so in, in all of those ways, right? Like we, so I was in Detroit from 2014 to 2016 um, and really imagined myself um, sticking around there. And some of my friends who are gonna listen to this podcast are gonna make fun of me that like all roads lead back to Detroit for me. <laughs> Um, because just like those years were really formative. Um, and so, uh, to Edwin, I'm sorry, but here we go. Here's another Detroit story. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, uh, in those ways, right. In those ways where, um, we see it in so many cities of folks buying abandoned lots and turning them into community gardens. Um, Eastern market is a really beautiful spot in Detroit. It is a outdoor, an outdoor market that is filled with fresh fruits and veggies and um, entrepreneurs um, selling various goods um, every weekend. And that market runs all year round. Um, So really like my favorite time in that market is the winter where really only Detroiters are showing up for, um, for food. But that market really became a place for me that, um, was just a, was a pattern of my week, right? Like the weekend began at Eastern market and it began with, um, buying hummus from my favorite hummus spot. And it began, uh, buying tomatoes from Joe and it began, um, picking up my bread from Andre. And like, it began in these like ways that, um, 
that people were gathering, right. And were gathering to like prepare for what was ahead that week. Um, and so Eastern market is just a beautiful spot. Um, a beautiful spot where you can show up as like a tourist or somebody from out of town. Um, but where regulars show up every week. And so that, um, in moving to a new city that began us became a place for me that felt constant and felt like home and felt, um, like I could know the people's names who I was buying produce from and know the story of like the crop that week. Um, and that became important. Um, and then I think on that, uh, on a different aspect of it, um, I really just saw how through working at NOAA, how lunch was an entry point into more. And just like thinking about for so many of us, like friendships begin often by somebody we know introducing us to somebody else and uh, these like points of connection. And at least for me, like those points of connection are going to speed up if we share a meal together, right? If we end up sitting side by side at a dinner table together, even if it's a large group of people, like I'm likely to walk away that night and follow back up with you um, because we've shared an experience um, and a meal and so, yeah, that, that became a piece for me in Detroit, um, of welcoming people into our home, um, and welcoming people in at work that I would often joke as a case manager that I got more case management done, like on the floor of the NOAA project where lunch was happening than I ever did in my office. Yeah. Um, and just the ways that by like sitting and sharing food together, um, we, we are, we already have something in common and that is like a good starting point for a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's really well said. I think that's, that's so many, so much of what we see, um, is, is that so many barriers get broken down when you sit down to have a meal and, and, and you, um, it, it, we we don't often think of it this way, but there's an intimacy that happens over meals, and um, and that's a that's an intimate activity to eat with someone, and so there's automatically relationship built. Um, so I, I think that's um, that just reinforces something that I think we 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 talk about uh, a lot. Um, so talk to me a little bit about. Um, Riverfront Ministries, how old is it? Um, and and the idea of worshiping outside um, as part of the identity of of the worshiping community. I, I'd love to hear about how how that came to be. Yeah, so Riverfront has been around for more or less six-ish years. Um, I say six-ish because um, the beginnings and even now some days, like it still feels, it's still very new. Um, It's still very like pop-up nature, um, but was designed really intentionally by um, the Newcastle Presbytery as the riverfront community in Wilmington was really beginning to grow and develop. Um, And Pastor Edwin Estevez, who was the convening minister of Riverfront um, and who I served as co-convening with until just uh, 
just a week ago, just two weeks ago, uh, Edwin has moved to Michigan. And so uh, that's why I joked earlier of, of Michigan stories, um, because he will often say that my Michigan love, uh, he was trying to get me to go back there thinking that would like satisfy the spirit, um, but it didn't work. So uh, Edwin ended up in Michigan, but in this planting of Riverfront, um, the, the neighborhood Riverfront previously did not have um, a ton of folks actually living there. But in the last uh, 10 years, that area has really developed. Um, there are a ton of condo buildings. There's a ton of restaurants. Um, and there are historically owned neighborhoods not too far. Um, and so as Edwin was looking around, um, looking around Wilmington, hoping to plant a church, hoping to plant a spot um, that really wouldn't have a building, um, that as he was looking around, uh, landed on the riverfront and landed um, at the pavilion. And for the first couple of years, riverfront was really... Um, a spot for pop-up worship, a spot for Wednesday night Bible study um, that would meet at different bars and restaurants. So that group is called Think and Drink. And it's a spot where um, people bring all sorts of questions. Um, and Riverfront really is, because it's it, it's not your traditional church. It's not, there's no building. There's sometimes we have a full worship service and sometimes we like give you a poem and say, go for a walk. Um, it, it attracts a, a different kind of person than somebody who's looking for traditional worship. So for us, a lot of our community has been hurt by the church. A lot of our community is seeking something new, um, or maybe trying to come back into faith after some time away from organized religion. Um, it means that we have a ton of different denominations represented, um, but we are mainly sponsored by the Presbytery and by the United Methodist Church. Um, I come to this as a United Methodist. And so, um, yeah, and part of Riverfront's identity has also been figuring out how we can join other organizations in the city doing great work and how we can use our resources together. So we don't need to reinvent the wheel. If there's already somebody um, doing a piece of what we feel called to, like how can we come alongside that work? Um, and so part of, uh, part of Riverfront is, is this new project um, called the Wilmington Kitchen Collective. Um, and it is a kitchen incubator that will be housed at Grace United Methodist, uh, one of our, our United Methodist partner. Mm -hmm. And Grace and Riverfront really came to this story thanks to an organization on the ground called Wilmington Alliance. They had been dreaming about a kitchen incubator, had done some feasibility studies, were trying to figure out what it could look like. Um, originally they were going to build their own space and then, um, after some development conversations decided to look at where there spaces in the city where, um, they could do some upgrades to an already existing kitchen and could they find the partners to help make it happen? 
So um, describe what is a kitchen incubator? I think I, uh, this was this was the project that when I heard about it, like the the antennas went up and the the lights came on. Um, can you and I've I've heard of some of these kinds of projects. Can you describe for some of our listeners who maybe never heard of what a kitchen incubator is? Um, what does this project mean? What does it look like? How does it how does it function on sort of a day to day? Yeah, so we um, are figuring out the functioning on the day to day. We are in <laughs> we are in construction mode right now, um, but ultimately it will be the Wilmington Kitchen Collective will be a shared kitchen space where entrepreneurs, so folks who are just starting out in the culinary world, um, where they can rent commercial kitchen space at a lower than commercial cost. So we know that um, one of the barriers to building your business is that in order to be like licensed to sell your food, you need to be selling, you need to be prepping and cooking out of a commercial space. Mm-hmm. Um, that is really hard to do as you are starting up. Yeah. And unless you already like own a restaurant or have a friend who owns a restaurant, like getting into the culinary world is really challenging. And so um, part of Wilmington Alliance's mission, part of our mission um, is really to support culinary entrepreneurs, not just with the space, but the resources to help grow their business. And so on the day to day, it's going to look like five to seven entrepreneurs scheduling commercial kitchen space and rotating in and out. Um, that's, what's going to, that's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, but behind the scenes, what many people are not going to see is that each of those entrepreneurs will be connected with the small business development center that runs out of the university of Delaware, um, and caseworkers there who will be working with each of our folks on business plans, on long-term goals, on, um, how they want to grow, on what other supports they need. It'll also look like the Food Bank of Delaware um, doing some culinary classes for us. So some of our folks are really in idea stage. And so um, I, uh, for as much as I love to cook, I am not a culinary expert. Right. And so I can't train them in the best knife skills and I can't train them in all that they need to grow um, their culinary skills. But the Food Bank of Delaware can. Um, And so it'll look like some of our entrepreneurs going to them. Um, It'll also look like um, supporting our folks uh, with financial resources to uh, for them to get all of the licenses that they need to operate. So to get through all of those licensing um, processes, if you were starting with nothing, um, it costs around $500 a person um, to get those different pieces. And that is a barrier for some folks. And so we have just been um, doing a lot of grant writing in the last year um, because we don't, just want to be a space where people come and rent our kitchen. Um, We want it to be a space where all of these different needs are being met. Mm 
Um, and our entrepreneurs are teaching us a lot, right? Um, in these first conversations, some of them named um, that while they've gotten some resources in building their website that like they still need, they would like um, early like computer skills. And so um, we are working on trying to find some computer training classes. And there are some who, um, who need the laptops to make that happen. And so just wrote a grant for some laptops and right. There's like all of these pieces that are behind the scenes in operating a business. Um, and we are really just trying to come alongside and to support um, and then to showcase these amazing individuals, these family stories um, of great vision and of just resilience and of um, folks following their dreams and like to come alongside those, um, which has really been a piece in like the last couple of weeks as we have had um kind of sent out an initial interest form and then have just been doing follow-up calls from that. And for this project to move from like construction phase to working with real entrepreneurs and um, beginning to build this community um, has been really, really fun. That's amazing. Um, I, I love, I love, there's so many different pieces about this project that I love. Um, one of those is I, I, when we, we talk a lot about the various injustices that exist in our food system. One of those injustices that I think that we don't often give enough attention uh, is the fact that there is unequal access to the kinds of things you're talking about in terms of uh, startup funds for for entrepreneurs, um, startup capital. I mean, just just investing, particularly if you're doing something around um, uh, around uh, a kitchen, around culin uh, culinary arts. Um, there's so much initial capital that's required and so much um, initial training that's required to just even get off the ground. And, and there isn't equal access to those kinds of skills and that kind of capital. And so what you're doing is you're, you're, you're giving, uh, you're, you're leveling that playing field in terms of uh, people being able to have access to the sorts of things that they would need to get a business off the ground. And they might have the idea, they might have, they might have the recipes, they might have the skills, they might have the know-how, but they don't have that access to those initial things that, that help a business get off the ground. So I just think, I think that's such a beautiful thing. And I think that's going to be, um, uh, a beautiful thing for the city. I mean, how do you how do you see this impacting Wilmington and impacting you know sort of the the ability of for for small businesses, particularly small um, culinary entrepreneurs, to thrive? Yeah, I uh, I get chills right in thinking about <laughs> those possibilities um, and thinking about. Um, thinking about just the opportunity um, and just so grateful for those who have already led us into their story mm -hmm. um, and who have trusted us in these initial steps, even though we're like really honest with the fact that we're building it as we are talking to them and 
Um, it's really exciting though, to think about that in, in the city, right. And to think about, um, so many of our entrepreneurs are from the city and, um, who have grown up here and who have invested here and, um, just excited for, and so many of them want to give back and want that and want to teach what they have learned. And so for some of our folks who are a little more established in the business world, right, we have um, one of our entrepreneurs who will also be our kitchen manager. Um, She owns and operates a food truck. And during the pandemic, she started a whole initiative called Give Back Delaware and was uh, feeding tons and tons of kids on the east side of the city. Um, out of donations and out of her own pocket because she saw this need. Um, and along the way, um, she has mentored youth and she uh, she's a former educator and she uh, left the former, like the formal classroom uh, in order to really develop her, her business. But her passion is teaching kids. Her passion is like, doing cooking classes out of the truck or on a picnic table. Mm. Um, And she is like really excited to uh, just continue to grow her business, but also to help us create this space um, where our kitchen could be a place of training, right? Where it could be a, this is what, um, these are the groceries you picked up this week. And now let's create creative recipes with them. Right. Um, I also just am so ready for um, people to be back in this space and for us to be able to hire one of our entrepreneurs to cook our monthly, a monthly community meal. Mm. Right. And that uh, we have been doing food distribution weekly um, from Grace Church through the pandemic. Um, But right now it's, it's a very short amount of contact, right? Because we haven't been able to sit around tables together. Um, Due to COVID, it's just, it's changed that. And yet back to this whole like food as an entryway into relationships, um, there are so many who have come in, come for food distribution who would not walk in the doors for worship. But now for the last year, um, relationships have built and we opened back up for in-person worship um, a couple weeks ago. And so many of them have come for worship. And so many of them are like excited that when they find out that I am not, uh, that I am a pastor, right? Um, That's not like when I introduce myself, I introduce myself as Chelsea um, and somewhere along the way, like they'll, they'll figure it out. Um, But that's, it's not what I'm most concerned with um, in that introduction. And yet when they realize that I'm pastor Chelsea, in addition to being Chelsea, um, something, something begins to shift and just the questions that happen around faith in our parking lot, um, thanks to food has been a real gift. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about how your ministry has changed during the pandemic, because my, my thinking would be a, a, a worshiping community that meets outside in some ways would be have an advantage during the pandemic, although, and then you have the winner and then that advantage goes away. Um, (laughs) 
talk to me about some of the challenges that you've faced in both building and maintaining this community um, during the course of, of the pandemic. Yeah, so I came on board in January of 2020, mm. um, about six weeks before the world shut down. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I will say, like, it has been hard. Mm. Um, it, I mean, for everything I've just talked about of how I build community, right, like that ability to share meal, a physical meal around the table has has been eliminated. And so um, I, it's been, it's been really hard. And yet um, Riverfront has always had a strong online presence. There's always been a large group of folks who are not local to Wilmington or who watch us from their porch um, for worship. And so we really just moved, we moved everything online. Um, and we actually ended up staying online, um, until April of this past year. Um, we, there was a spot kind of at the, uh, the end of last summer where we felt like it was probably safe to start resuming in person. Um, but we had a lot of community members who were not comfortable with that. And as a staff, um, really four of us on making that decision alongside our board, um, all four of us were never in agreement until this past April when we were all vaccinated, um, mm -hmm. that we felt safe to gather. And so we, I have continued and we have continued to do like one-on-one -on -one visits masked and on walks. Um, but we hadn't gathered in person as a whole community until, uh, the end of April. And so we're really in this rebuilding phase, um, as far as worship. We're in this, like, continuing to reimagine what our patterns are together. So we are back to meeting in person for worship, but it happens, like, about um, about every three weeks. So we're back to our roots of this, like, pop-up worship style. Um, but then on the weeks that we're not meeting in person, we gather, um, we highlight our musicians, and our musicians will play a 45-minute set. Um because we celebrate music as a form of worship. Um, and then on the other week, there is a devotional either by myself or Pastor Emma. And so just continuing to be creative about it um, and really grateful for how folks have continued to show up, right? Like I know folks are tired of, folks are tired of Zoom um, and yet our folks have continued to show up and continue to name that for now, this space online is still the space that they want to gather in. And so we want to honor that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. And it's, it's, you know, I think one of the things that we have all had to do is really redefine what community means for us and, and the ways that we we find community because it's it's a need. It's not just a nice thing to have. It's a it's a need to have community, and being able to um, reassess what community means for us and how we how we get there um, mm -hmm. is is has been one of the one of the big lessons of this of this last year and a half um, year and a half. Yeah, it's the yeah, Oregon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, and I think um, just to, just to add on that, I think yeah. it's um, while we haven't been gathering for formal worship in person, right? Like we celebrate that food distribution is also a form of worship yeah. and that um, community walks, right? Like that these places are, are those spots where we are fully worshiping, even if they're, even if it's like not being recorded and if it's not, um, there's not a homily. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's been, it's been a gift to watch our folks show up in that way. And, um, as somebody who I am still trying to figure out kind of this balance between like quote unquote church and community and like nonprofit space and like, what are we and where, where am I called? Um, it's been a lot of fun to just play and to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you were talking about the kitchen incubator, I, I noticed you, there's a lot of different moving pieces here. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of different organizations invested in this project in one way or another. Um, what has it been like to try and coordinate all those different efforts, all those different people trying to come together and, and, and make this thing go knowing that you're, you're, you know, you're not all going to have the same agendas. You might want to see the project succeed for, for lots of different reasons. So what's it been like to kind of coordinate all of this? Yeah, it's a lot of fun and it's madhouse some days, right? <laughs> um, it's, it's a lot of fun in that we really, all of us want to see this project succeed. And again, for different reasons, right? For me, for our different church communities, um, it's an act of worship. It's a piece of our faith. It's um, building community and meeting need in a holistic way, right? Um, and because for me and for our congregations, because God tells us to do so, right? Because like God tells us to show up for one another in all the ways. Um, that faith aspect is not a piece though for all of our partners. Um, and we respect that, right? Like we respect that um, and celebrate the fact that different things bring them to this work. Um, and for as beautiful, I, it is so beautiful and it is also really hard. Right. It's, and it's hard actually in like surprising ways. Like there's moments where I like take a really deep breath before I make a phone call, because I think like, this is the phone call that's going to break the project. This is the phone call that for whoever I'm calling, like, this is going to be too much. And that phone call is actually not that that phone call goes fine. They're like, yeah, that's good. We can switch. We can we can turn slightly into that other direction. You're good. Keep moving. And then there's other moments where um, all of a sudden there is a construction need that we didn't anticipate or all of a sudden um, like as we were prepping the as we were prepping the space, like nobody knew the stuff in one of the freezers, like nobody could identify whose stuff that was, but like, we didn't want to get rid of it. Right. right? Because like it, it was still good. And so like, what do we do with this? Right. It's like in those small details that uh, kind of surprised me sometimes. And yet, um, 
it's because we all get the larger vision um, that it is possible that it still keeps moving. Um, and I just am amazed at where we are because like a year ago, we really, we had a serious conversation about whether or not this project was going to happen. Um, we were really far from our funding goal and we had a lot of grant writing to do. And we kind of said, all right, like folks have been trying this for a while. And, um, if we like, don't get these next two grants, this might, this might be it. Maybe like, this is our step away moment. Um, but we got those two grants and then we got a series of grants after, and then more and more project partners continued to say, hey, I see what you're doing over there, right? So the Food Bank and the Small Business Development Center and the United Methodist Annual Conference and so many different partners um, that it got to a point where it's like, this is gonna happen. Um, and I must say like, I still, uh, like construction is happening two floors down from me. And I still question <laughs> some days if this is going to happen. Um, but it's hard and messy work. And yet in the mess, um, in those moments where we don't agree, um, often we just, we take a step back and we say, all right, what is the goal here? What, and what is the barrier? What's, what are the ways we're not understanding each other? Um, and we, and we just have a values and a kind of, this is where I am honest to honest conversation. Um, and then we move on. Yeah. Which is, which is, you know, part of what it means to be in partnership that's part of what it means in any kind of partnership uh, is that you find those ways where you you compromise and you you work things out and um not everyone gets what they want all the time and and it's messy it's just it's just messy but um so much of so much of ministry is um can i ask you this this is kind of a curveball question so if if you don't have an answer that's totally fine um but Cooking is obviously a part of of this enterprise, and you mentioned a little bit that you know you're not a professional, but you you like to cook. Um, how has cooking been a part of your spiritual life and your spiritual formation, and the ways that you've intersected with thinking about the connections of food and faith? Yeah. Um, yes, uh, and for me, that's been most uh, with roommates. Right. So I am single and um, have had different roommates at various points. Um, and yet um, cooking together has become in each of those relationships in very different ways um, has been a way to connect um, some of those relationships like are very intentional around faith and meals begin and end with prayer. And in two of them in particular, like my housemates in DC, we would often begin with prayer and end with singing. Right. Um, (laughs) and, and a meal in between. Um, and so I think in a similar way that it is for work, um, it's also been in those relationships. Um, cooking for me is also a, a grounding point in my day. And so 
even if that meal is happening at like 9 PM, um, trying to, trying to make sure it happens, um, trying to make sure that not too many days go by that I'm not cooking. Um, I will say in wrapping up seminary and doing all of the, like these pieces for work, um, cooking has been a piece that has suffered in my spiritual life. Um, and I, I realize it, like I can feel it in my, in my body. Um, and so one of my friends asked me last week, like, what are you, what are, what are some of the things you're most excited to have more time for? And cooking was on that list for me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, we're, we're, you know, as we've been thinking about this show, a lot of, um, a lot of our conversations have been around where food comes from and sort of, uh, you know, sort of the justice parts of, of, of the sourcing of food and then sort of the end point of gathering around a table and eating. But, you know, more and more we've been having these conversations about that, that space in between. Uh, mm-hmm. of of cooking and how cooking in and of itself can be um a spiritual um endeavor and you know there's there's part of me that like as you're as you're thinking about this incubator project thinking of like what a cool opportunity it could be to have uh you know your faith community together just kind of using some of that space to cook a meal um, whether that's for each other or for the community and and just what a um I don't know, just like there's what a meaningful and profound experience that that could be. So, uh, yeah, and I, I think that like a lot of the like prop for me, at least like a lot of the processes of cooking and like the repetition in the cooking process, um, like draws me into like the repetition of prayer um, and draws me into like the repetition of meditation. Um, and so that's where I said, like, it's a good grounding point for me because it like for me, as I'm cooking, I'm not worried about the 500 things on my to-do list. And I'm not worried about like the text message that just came in. And I'm just like that motion, like the motion of cooking, uh, again, for our listeners, like I'm hand gesturing, like I'm cooking and uh, you can't see it, but I can feel it. So it's good. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, so uh, I want to be uh, mindful of your time. And um, so we always end with uh, the question of what gives you hope? And um, it's not a hope, not the kind of hope that is ignoring the challenges. Uh, and as you've addressed so many of the challenges that are uh, before you and, and before this project, but the, the kind of hope that gets you out of bed in the morning despite those challenges. Um, so what, what's giving you hope these days? Yeah, I touched on it a little bit, but uh, right now it's, and I I think this will probably be my answer for a while, but it's our entrepreneurs. Mm. It's these folks who are, um, again, beginning to trust us with their story and with their dreams and um, dreams that are going to change the city of Wilmington, right? And the fact that we get to be a part of that um, is astonishing to me. And the fact that somehow um, my calling from that community center in Detroit, and even before that, but that community center in Detroit to preaching and worship and all of the pieces um, of, of life in DC, that those 
two kind of different aspects that I was never really sure if they were going to mix and if there was going to be space for them to happen together. Um, for the fact that it's happening, <laughs> um, for the fact that, right, like I wasn't planning on moving back to Delaware, as I said in my bio. Um, and yet the job description that evolved and the role that I was hired into a year and a half ago for the ways that that was true a year and a half ago and for the ways that that has evolved um, and the people and the community that has happened even in the midst of a pandemic. Um, it's, it's the people, um, the people that I get to do life with that just really really give me hope and really keep me grounded. Um, and I am just really grateful. Yeah. It's, um, it's really encouraging to hear about all of those stories and, and you're getting to be holder and curator of those stories in a really fun way. Um, that's, that's really cool. So, um, can you let our listeners know how they can connect with you or with your work or any other way that you would want people to be connected with you, um, uh, you can let us know. Yeah, so this will be hot off the press, but uh, WilmingtonKitchenCollective.com. Nice. WilmingtonKitchenCollective.com. You will get to meet our entrepreneurs. You can order lots of products. You can, even if you're not local, uh, you can order honey. You can order uh, barbecue sauce. You could get a cake shipped to you. Uh, You can support entrepreneurs on the ground here um, and support what we are doing. Uh, And to keep keep an eye on that page, um, also our social media will be linked there as well. And then to what we are doing as a church, that page is riverfrontwilmo.com. And the Facebook is Facebook slash Riverfront Church. Also, we have a podcast that I'm hoping that Derek will guest star on in uh, at some point, especially after he leads. Uh, we have a Wednesday night think and drink Bible study and uh, just really looking forward uh, to Derek coming as our guest, uh, as our teacher, as our um, You're supposed to be plugging you, curator. not plugging me. I'm, yeah, so <laughs> I'm supposed to be plugging my own, but man, we would love for y'all to join that small group. Um, so Wednesday nights at 530, you can not only come and learn a little bit about Riverfront, but you can get more of Derek, which if y'all are listening to this podcast, you know, is already a great gift. So yeah, lots going on, but especially keep an eye out on WilmingtonKitchenCollective.com. Well, thank you for the nice words. And, um, but also I'm just, that's so exciting. Uh, the Wilmington Kitchen Collective, um, being able to uh, learn more about the stories and really invest in the people who are doing the work. That's, uh, I'm so like, when I hear about these kinds of things, I just, I just get so excited. I love that this kind of work is happening in the world. Um, so Chelsea, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all the great work that you're doing and hope that you'll come back and tell us how things are developing. Love to hear some updates and stories as this really gets off the ground. Um, so yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'd love for y'all to 
meet some of our people. Um, and so maybe we can dream about what an interview with some of them could look like. And um, just grateful for your podcast for holding space for this conversation. And so thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. We are excited to invite you to a free conference this summer. It's called Sustaining Church, Reimagining Communities of Faith in a Climate Crisis. The aim of this conference is to bring together theological thinking on creation care with those that are actively growing or starting Christian communities that care for land. The hope is that this will be the first of many conversations that inspire further theological thinking around caring for creation, as well as an opportunity to network and empower localized growing communities of faith. The conference will be held over Zoom, so even though it's in the UK, you can take part. Some of our keynote speakers will be familiar to fans of this podcast. Nuriel of Parrish, Ellen Davis, and Norman Worsba, just to name a few. A full list of speakers and tickets can be found at www.hazelnutcommunityfarm.com. Thank you for listening to the Food and Faith Podcast. Our collaborators are Wake Forest School of Divinity, Plain Song Farm, The Garden Church, and The Keep Until. Editing is by Derek Weston and music by Paul Deemer. Follow along and keep up to date with the podcast on Facebook at Food and Faith Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Food and Faith Pod, or on our website at foodandfaithpodcast.org.